Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show. Joining us as always, the prince of Twitter, the regent of redstate.com, Andrew Malcolm at AH Malcolm on Twitter, not X. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I'm the Prince of X. The Prince of X. It could be worse. Prince of Triple X. That'd be bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd probably get more views, though. Probably. Yeah. I mean, you get a whole hell of a lot more traffic that way. But yeah, that's so right. I so I hear. But uh, no, you're the uh, regent of redstate.com. You're a great VIP uh, columnist over there. Uh, just really insightful stuff. If you're not, if you're not following, um, Andrew over at Red State, you really have to. It's uh, great stuff. Follow him on X or Twitter or whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, <laughs> uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. Uh, not everything, anyway. Um, big news today. We're recording this on Monday. The big news over the weekend, I should say, is that uh, on Sunday night, Donald Trump put out a truth social post that said, I will not be doing the debates, plural. Um, and his campaign referred reporters to that as the official statement of whether or not he was going to show up on Wednesday. Now he's basically saying, I'm not going to do any of the debates. Um, I, I, you know, I wrote a bit about this earlier in the morning here. And frankly, my mind doesn't change. I, I understand the ruthless utilitarianism of this decision, but I think it's a big mistake for a guy who has really alienated depending on which poll you want to look at, somewhere between 60 to 75% of the American electorate. I think you kind of need to be out there engaging to try to win some of those people back, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it is a mistake, but it's part of his showmanship. You know, his uh, firing show, uh, apprentice show on NBC was a hit because it was unpredictable and he's unpredictable and he made over two billion dollars in free media back in 2015 yeah. 16. uh and i that was he was fresh then that's an important thing to note it yeah, it was novel it, right it was a novelty it, that's right um i think his shtick has gotten old for many people i said this in the sunday column um and you know he would win everything by a landslide if he moderated his outbursts and was a little more disciplined. He doesn't have to change his personality. Yeah, uh, I'm not, I don't think he can, and I don't, and I'm sure he won't. But if he moderated his tone and showed a new Donald Trump, he would kill the field. Uh, in the primaries and in the general election. Uh, but uh, I don't think he will. And what he's doing now um, by not going, um, Americans like to see their candidates compete. And this isn't competing. His loyal crowd uh, will excuse it all. Of course, everything is fine that he does. But uh, they're not big enough to elect him. They may be big enough to elect him in some of the primaries, but they're not big enough to win in the general. And, you know, when he announced last fall, I, I did a post saying, uh, is he in it to win or is he in it for the accolades and the attention and the applause and the crowds? And this kind of 
indicates to me that it might be the latter. Or, or, may, to pay off his, or to pay off his lawyers. I mean, he needs to right. pay off his lawyers. Rudy Giuliano, uh, did you see the thing where the New York Times was reporting, I think it was on Friday, that Trump has been stiffing Rudy Giuliani for millions of dollars in legal fees? And no. Giuliani's been trying to collect because he's broke. <laughs> he's got his own legal bills based yeah. on what he's doing for Donald Trump. I mean... Well, I, you know, I, I love Trump's policies as president, most of, almost every single one of them. Um. But as a person, um, he's not very likable. I remember when uh, he went to visit the Pope, and that was a big deal. And uh, his press secretary, Sean Spicer, who was a devout Catholic, Trump barred him from meeting the Pope. Now, yeah, I mean, uh, that's just such chicken shit. I'm sorry. But uh, it's just... And his staff doesn't feel all that loyal. We saw a lot of leaks. Uh, so as a person, um, we've had a lot of presidents uh, who were not all that likable. But, you know, I don't, I don't care that much about whether they're likable or not. I don't have to work with them. Uh, I have to live under them. And Joe Biden is scaring me. So I would like to have somebody... Who is a excuse me? Who is a realistic competitor and a realistic, competent president? Uh, so yeah. Trump, Trump's absence, uh, I don't think it's good for him, but it is good for the country and it's good for the rest of the field because they will get a chance to come out from under the uh, the uh, media eclipse that they're in because the media there's a silent collusion. I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I don't know that it's intentional. It may be accidental, but by a, by their steady focus on Trump, they are excluding the others. Now, the media doesn't like Trump, uh, and they don't want him to win, but they're actually helping him by giving him all this attention and not allowing Republicans and Americans in general to see the alternatives, who some of whom are very qualified. Uh, and uh, these debates, I've said all along, these debates are not really debates. They're, they're TV reality shows. But it does give you a sense of who these people are. And uh, we haven't had that. I hope we get it uh, Wednesday night um, and, and on through the fall. The next one is at the Reagan Library. I think it's September 27th. Right. Uh, and... Um, yeah, I initially uh, so, had to mix up. I thought that this was the Reagan Library one up until about a week ago or so. I thought this yeah. was the Reagan Library. This one's in Milwaukee. It's the September one that's at the Reagan Yeah, in you know, Milwaukee, where which is where the convention will be in 11 months. So there's plenty of time to learn about these people, assuming they can get enough money. Uh, but they desperately need this attention. And if they want to be competitive, they need uh, a good showing. Uh, and uh, like I say, these debates do not measure whether it's a good president or not. Uh, presidents have immense staffs that can do everything for them. Uh, and um, unfortunately, Joe Biden has a staff that can do everything for him. And that's a little scary. But um, so they give him notes to remind him to say hello when he goes into meetings. And that's kind of a comment. On where yeah. we are, we got seventy-four more weeks to endure, and so uh, that's why I want a realistic, competitive 
Republican nominee. And I don't I don't think with all his baggage that Trump could be that. Well, you know, look, I mean, I think that um, when it comes to the strategy here, I mean, I do understand the strategy, which is basically yeah. that if you're if you think that the polls are are accurate and not just accurate, but predictive, I'm sure they're pretty much accurate. I mean, the gaps here are so large that it's clear that even if you're going to quibble on <laughs> on the you know right. amplitude here, it's clear that Trump is getting a lot more um, assigned um, support in in these polls than the other candidates are, and that's not surprising. I mean, it, we kind of all predicted this. In, in a way, he's an incumbent. Yeah, right. right. He's an incumbent. It, it's like. You know, if if Democrats ran against Joe Biden this time, you'd probably see you know a similar sort of dynamic. Although I think that the gap would be even larger. You know, and RFK Jr. is polling twenty percent, but I don't buy that for a minute. Um, the um, but that's now. That's August. Yes, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Five months away from when these voters are going to have to actually start considering some of the things that you're talking about. In fact. I linked something in a headline today, and it was really interesting. And I'm not sure if it was if it's up as we're talking or if it's coming up a little bit later on. But uh, I was making this exact same point, which is that nobody's having to consider that. This is really more or less just a statement of principle. You know, ah, oh, well, I'm I don't like Trump, so I'm going to support DeSantis or Ramaswamy or you know the three people who say Chris Christie, you know, that sort of right. thing. So if, you're, right. if you don't like Trump, you're going to say, I support these other guys. And Ron DeSantis is probably the, the easiest one to choose, right? Because he's been the most prominent. Um, but if you like Trump and you think that Trump's getting a raw deal, then you're going to say, well, I support Trump. You know, Trump's getting a raw deal. It's not just that he uh, didn't win the last time. And it's not just that he won't be able to run this time. Or, you know, that's the sort of thought process. But you don't get down to the brass tacks until probably Thanksgiving and more than likely Christmas, which is when I think we can start looking at polls being a little bit more predictive, which is when people start thinking, okay, <laughs> now, right. do we really want to go through all of this baggage and all of these court cases with a nominee who can only serve one term, even if he, even if he manages to win a general election, which is very clear is almost certainly impossible given, the, uh, given his, his favorability polling. I mean, it's as low, it's lower than it's ever been. It's like minus 18 on the RCP aggregate average right now. I looked it up because I yeah. put it in the post, right? And um, I think at that point, the polls will start to shift. And it really depends too on how the other candidates do in the debates. That's where most of these, most voters are going to experience these people. They're not going to go to a Ron DeSantis rally. They're not going to go to a Vivek Ramaswamy rally. They're going to see him in the, in the debates and, you know, DeSantis is a little easier because he's governor and he's doing things in Florida. It's very easy to look up and, and all that. Ramaswamy, right. not so much. You know, Mike Pence has been out of the loop for, uh, you know, a few years now. So you go through a few of these debates and those questions start becoming a lot more acute. I think that's when you see polls shift. And I yeah. think that's the mistake, right? Which yeah. is that you should be engaging now <laughs> so you can, A, solidify that support, but also B, Address the people in your own party first who don't like you, and then try to start working on addressing the people outside the party who don't like you, so you have at least a shot at winning a general election. Instead, you know, Trump is basically acting as though it's sewn up, and 
he says, you know, the public knows me. That's the problem. <laughs> the yeah, yeah. Knows, they don't like That's them. right. Yeah. <laughs> the public has to learn to to like or to know Trump 2.0. Couple of things. One, we have a cockamamie primary process. Okay, Iowa, Iowa is not typical of anything. Iowa is typical of Iowa. New Hampshire, give me a break. Uh, uh, A conceited New England state that uh, that thinks it's the center of the universe is just not that important. And if you look at who's won uh, Iowa and New Hampshire. Recently, it's not been the person who wins the nomination. So their show, it's show business. Just I mean, it's just it's just show business. But there are other reasons, I think, why Trump is not going to the debates. Of course, he wants to uh, present it in as favorable uh, a format as he can. And that is I'm way ahead. It's hardly worth my time to go there. That's sort of like the tortoise in the hare story. It's just, like you said. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you said, it's it's dangerous. Take a nap, and then all of a sudden, you notice the turtle is past you. A great analogy. Um, but but what it also does is it Trump's absence uh, prohibits any questions about his finances about his legal problems, the indictments, any possible new ones. Um, and that's a, that's a messy business. He, he's going to have to campaign during trials, which, of course, is why the Democrats are doing this and scheduling it. This is all politics. Right. Uh, and he's going to have to do that. But he doesn't really want to talk about that now. That would if he was talking I mean, there's no debate. Brett Baer is a professional, and Brett Baer and Martha McCallum, they would ask him about how do you think you can be president under all these indictments? How do you think you can campaign with all of these indictments? And then he would go off on how unfair it is, and they're just targeting him and so on. But the public could make their decision as to, you know what? He's dodging. Right. Now, now by dodging the debates, but saying it's because I'm so far ahead, he's dodging, but in a favorable posture. Right. Yeah, no, no, I get that too. Um, yeah. And then there's another aspect to this. And this one's, this one's a little harder to sell to the populace, but, but, but bear with me on this. Donald Trump. Okay, after all these years, I'll bear with you, Edward. Yeah, not like you don't bear with me practically every week. <laughs> Believe me, I'm aware. Uh, but 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 here's my thought on this. He's Donald Trump is not just campaigning for the nomination. He's demanding it by acclamation of the Republican presidential nomination to represent the party. Um, and to my mind, that requires some engagement with the oh, yeah. party and that includes the 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 primary in fact maybe that's almost entirely the the primary process which is as as you know as as silly and game showy as it is it's the only thing that the rnc can really do to help feature the candidates in a in a even way to promote the building and expansion of the republican party right yep 
that's yep. part of what this is supposed to do. It's that's the reason why you're running for the party nomination. And basically, I think what this does, and I don't know that a whole lot of people are going to look at it this way, and that's fine, but I'm going to put it out there anyway. Basically, this is telling the Republican Party that you are nothing without me. That's right. And you mean nothing without me. And it is your duty to serve me, not the other way around. And, you know, that that to me is a bit of a problem. If he wants to be a Republican nominee, then he should be engaging in the Republican that's right. Republican process for that. Um, you, sh you should have to compete uh, and win in the same process. He's not the incumbent. He acts like it. And a lot of people think of him as the incumbent, but he isn't. Uh, he should be competing against all of the other wannabes. Uh, and um, he doesn't want that. I understand why he doesn't want it, because if he actively engages, there's a lot that might not look good, especially since he's not refreshing and new and novel now. The world knows him. They have a, uh, the political world, Americans. They uh, have attached, um, what's the word, uh, impressions about him that are very hard to change. And I think he probably recognizes that. But, you know, if he behaved differently, things would be so dramatically changed. Uh, um, I wish he would, because I liked his policies as president. Uh, the personality, that's something else. Uh, but you're absolutely right. He does need to compete. And you'll notice um, he's not doing the big rallies anymore. Nope. They're, they're very expensive, and he needs the money for lawyers. Yeah, you know, then there's some rumors floating around about his health, too, and I don't want to pay too much attention to that. Um, it's clear that he's doing things a little differently this time. He's 77 years old, too, which is, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to have an acute thing to to want to take care of your health at 77 years of age. Um, yes, that's we right. have any real evidence that there's an issue here, too. So, I mean, I, I, I really kind of discount the whole health thing. These are uh, kind of sotto voce things that are floating. There's a lot of sotto voce things floating around in, in, in campaigns, and you got to learn to sort of screen that stuff off. But, uh, you know, to the extent that it's even worth remarking on, it's re worth remarking that he's a 77 year old man. He'll be 78 next year when he's competing in a general election, assuming he wins the nomination. I guess the same, the same age as Joe was. The same age as Joe was when he won, won the first term. And look, I mean, I think if you're trying to do the Grover Cleveland when you're in your 50s, or maybe even your 60s, it's one thing, but when you're trying to do it when you're pushing 80, <laughs> you know, yeah. I think that competition here is actually something that you need to have to make sure that this is a person who's up for this, especially in this case where you have Trump's stamina and strength being drained by, you know, as fair or unfair as it is by these four different prosecutions. By the way, as we've been talking, the Fulton County judge sent the um, bail for him at 200000 it's like come on, you think he's going to flee i mean that does i mean all that does is help trump is like two hundred thousand dollar bond now it's a different jurisdiction but just to contrast this i don't know if you saw this story today andrew but i i will tell you that there was a woman who was arrested who was hiding behind a false wall in a in a uh trailer <laughs> behind a kitchen in a trailer um who got discovered because her husband 
died outside the trailer, just apparently died of natural causes. Somebody called the cops. The cops came out there. They tried to contact the, the guy's family. And one of the adult children said, hey, <laughs> His his uh, his wife is in the is in the trailer. She's hiding behind a false wall because she's wanted, and it turned out that she was wanted for child abuse, child neglect. She apparently boiled four puppies to death in front of her kids to terrorize them at one point. And she was out on probation. She absconded from probation, hid in New Mexico. I think it was she was discovered in New Mexico. She was originally from Colorado with her husband. Also had a 14-year-old girl locked up at the same time. Apparently, this woman has like 15 kids. And so they arrested her. They found her behind the false wall. They arrested her because she's wanted in Colorado. She's absconded. She's, you know, they've got neglect issues in Colorado. She got a $5,000 bond, $5,000 cash bond. Now, that means that you have to put up the whole amount in cash or you have to get a $50,000 bond from the bondsman. <laughs> I mean, still, this woman got a $5,000 bond set in Trump who's running for president. He's not going to go fleeing to Cuba while he's running for president. Gets a, a bail set. Well, you know, and that, you know, that, that, that feeds the persecution narrative. It does. Um, and um, that's one of his most powerful tools. Americans, um, they don't always pay attention, but they have a general sense of fairness. Uh, and if things are stacked against somebody, even if they don't like them, uh, the fairness thing rubs them raw. Uh, they also like underdogs. So I suspect, uh, you know, we won't see anything real in polls for a couple of weeks after the debate. But I'm sure uh, even before then, media will proclaim uh, Ramaswamy the winner and uh, a new fresh face. And uh, can he do it all the way and all that? This is a two-year horse race. Right. And who's going to read the story of the Kentucky Derby after the first furlong? You know, nobody is going to read it. OK, so yeah. they have to they have to come up with something that's new. These debates are a gift from heaven for them uh, because it gives them a sense of drama, something happening. Media loves things that are set on the calendar. They're not so cool about things that erupt. Uh, I remember like uh, George Wallace. When George Wallace uh, was running many years ago, um, there was no, he wasn't on a debate, but you could tell if you were following him or talking with political people that he was picking up some steam. Uh, and then when you were on a campaign plane for even for another candidate and the TV crews had George Wallace stickers on their baggage, you knew that there was something going on, and he ended up winning a couple of uh, primaries. I told my desk in New York, I said, there's something going on. They said, no, no, it's George Wallace. Well, if there was a debate, they would have focused on it. And and uh, so, but they need a new front runner. They need someone coming from behind. Uh, oh, will it be this guy? And then the next debate, it'll be somebody else. Anything to get people to click. It's a game, and I don't think many news consumers are aware they're being played, but they are. Yes, they are being played. Um, the, the thank you, thank you, Ed, Ed. Thank you for bearing with me because I, I I bore with you a few minutes ago. Well, I appreciate <laughs> that. We bear with each other, and bearing with each other, I think for like fifteen years, which is <laughs> great. Um, 
it's great to have a it's it's just great to be able to be on with a great friend to do these things for 15 years yeah and i don't say that often enough andrew it's been an amazing well years. i feel the same buddy i know you do i know you do um speaking of ramaswamy though there was a really interesting article from abc news about the fact that ramaswamy told friends he was getting in so he could basically torpedo ron DeSantis. really <laughs> and this is the thing I've had about Ramaswamy the whole time, right, is to me, he gives the impression of a wealthy guy with too much time on his hands, who's yeah. basically a complete either naive or he's just a dilettante because he clearly doesn't do his homework. In the past week, he suggested that we could cut ties. We could, I don't want to say cut ties. That basically we could cut loose Taiwan and Israel by 2028. <laughs> I'm wondering what constituency are you <laughs> trying to press with this? I mean, these are both ludicrous things, especially Israel, right? He's ex exercised because we we give Israel three billion dollars a year in aid, and I use the word aid very you know loosely. Most of which is required to be spent inside the United States. We give them funding for their military, and they have right. to buy from U.S. suppliers, right? So it's not that so much Israel aid as it is, you know, defense. Contract. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's when Trump sold the jets to uh, to um, Saudi Arabia. That was his point. Was that this is this is a lot of jobs in X, Y, Z, wherever those are made. And the point is, is that Israel is a security partner in that region. It's the only liberal, you know, you know, a pluralistic liberal democracy in the entire region, right? I guess you could maybe include Turkey. Turkey used to get really upset when you say Israel was the only one, but Turkey is hardly pluralistic, and with Erdogan in charge, is only only somewhat related to a functional democracy. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean. This guy's kind of showing up and just sort of throwing things up against the the wall to see what sticks. And I mean, and he's engaging. He's clearly smart, right? He's he's a, he's clearly a smart guy. He's very good in his field. He's been very successful in the field that he's in. But I don't think this guy thought three thoughts about politics prior to twenty twenty one. I looked up his donor record. And he's, you know, despite the fact that he's a very wealthy guy, there's only 28 donation records on the, you know, and that doesn't necessarily say a lot. None of which, by the way, went to Trump. And so I kind of think that this isn't a, a crypto Trump effort to knock DeSantis out of the race because he never even bothered to donate to Trump in either of the two presidential cycles before this. Um, and by the time this goes up, my post on this will already have been written. I, I wrote a post about this. It's, it's uh, scheduled to go up um, after this. So but, in, in effect, Ed, you're you're allowing us to see into the future here. Well, it would be if this was live, but we don't do live. It's going to go up on Tuesday after I wrote the post on Monday. So you'll be able to go back and see what I was talking about if you haven't already read this post. But I mean, uh, this is to me, there's there's a whole bunch of different things here that that remind me that people fall in love with shortcuts because they don't want to deal with the 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 actual nuts and bolts and i'm sorry if there's any noise in the background today's the day apparently in 104 degree heat today's the day that the gardener decided to show up um god bless him i mean thank you very much i i'm not going to go chase him away but uh at any rate you have 
you know, billionaires dropping out of the sky. I, I don't think Ramaswamy is actually a billionaire. I think he's 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 in the nine figures. So I, oh, I well, semi billionaire, demi billionaire, hardly worth talking about. Wealthy people, self, wealthy self-funders dropping out of the sky, not just in presidential races either, but, you know, Senate races, House races, that sort of thing, who don't really have any depth in this whatsoever, but people latch on to them because they, they say, oh, this is a great way to break through the, you know, the establishment. The same thing is true of people calling for the 25th Amendment to, to remove uh, Joe Biden. There was a piece in American Thinker today, and that they were saying it's clear that he's incapacitated because he just... Um, he wrote up some diversity policy, which is a stupid policy, right? I don't have any problem with the policy being stupid, but the well, this is evidence that he's he's got dementia because this is so bad. <laughs> like, oh, there's, it's not. There's pl there's plenty of evidence of mental frailty there, but but you this know. is not it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and it's like this is just evidence that Joe Biden is stupid, and I am I hate to inform you, but we have evidence of that going back decades, and the guy still won an election. Okay, <laughs> yeah. um, and and then oh. the other is the Fourteenth Amendment disqualification for Donald Trump, which keeps popping up. That uh, I guess Jonathan Turley is getting really irritated by. <laughs> it, you know, it, it popped up in the Washington Post today or yesterday. It popped up in this uh, Judge Ludwig, I think, actually wrote about it. You know, saying, "Oh, no, this is a real thing." No, it's not. <laughs> There's no process for it. it. The 14th Amendment disqualifications for treason and insurrection were about the Civil War. <laughs> People who were identified as members of the Confederacy could not hold public office in the restored United States, and um, and that's what it was written for because those people had had there was a process of identifying and adjudicating those cases, right? Um, until Donald Trump gets convicted of treason or insurrection there's no disqualification here and it just reminds me that people don't want to do the hard work right no no they don't they find a candidate who's actually got skills for this who's actually demonstrated skills and i mean i'm not just talking about ron DeSantis. i'm talking about you know nikki haley was a governor uh mike pence was a governor both of them were members of uh, pence at least was a member of congress as well so was DeSantis. uh you know tim Bergham. Bergham. Bergham's a governor. Tim Scott is a sitting U.S. senator, second term. Um, why not choose people who actually know something that they're, they're that they're talking about and who've been thinking about this for longer than a hot second? And the whole Ramaswamy thing to me is just another one of these attempts to grasp at some sort of celebrity um, savior. Right. Uh, it, it just to me, it's it's very. Well, It'll get him on the boards of some uh, uh, tech companies, I'm sure, when this is all over with. You know, uh, this is back in 99 and 2000. I was behind the stage at uh, an Iowa debate, <clears throat> primary debate, uh, when I was working with George W. Bush and Laura Bush. And um, Alan Keyes was there, who, you know, you talk about a hopeless cause. It's Alan Keyes. Um, he was running then and he was allowed into all the debates. They didn't have these qualifications, which I think are a good thing. Um, so I asked him point blank and I said, why, why are you doing this? And he looked at me like I was so dumb. He said, well, this is going to jack my speaking fees for two years. So by running, you get an element 
uh, you get bathed in celebrityness, and uh, <laughs> I like and bathed in celebrityness. That's a great way of putting it. Uh, you get bathed in it, and uh, you can play it for later. Some of these people, like I think Bergam, is not running now. He's running, but he's not really running to win. He's running for something future the governor of North Dakota. And from his record, it's pretty impressive. So we'll see what he does. But like you said, he's got a record in governing uh, and in government. Uh, Republicans over the years often, most often tend to favor executives of some kind. Uh, Trump was an executive. Uh, governors are their favorite. Occasionally, Ramaswamy was an executive too. So, I mean, let's. Right, let's, right. Yeah. Uh, some of them, uh, I just have a hummingbird looking in on the program here. Um, <laughs> some of them, um, yeah, right. The Democrats tend to favor uh, Congress. You know, every, yeah. every vice president candidate, uh, I think since 1928, has been a member of Congress. Uh, they just they just can't tear themselves away, and often presidents are, um, and that tells me how Washington centric they are. Right, uh, they haven't really been governing. Uh, there was a time, just uh, it wasn't that long ago, maybe two years ago, where the Republicans had thirty four governorships out of fifty, and sixteen of them they owned both houses. Uh, and in the others, they owned at least one house in a close, close in the in the second house. So uh, at the actual governing level where voters know them and see them almost every day, Republicans have a very strong reputation. So to waltz in, uh, you know, Lee Iacocca, he was an executive, but he didn't and he didn't try in. But that was part of the attraction of uh, Ross Perot. Right. Yes. Ross Perot was really the first Donald Trump, the first Vivek Ramaswamy, too, for that matter. Yeah. Ross Perot was a little different. I think that Ross Perot was was uh, than Ramaswamy, I would say, not necessarily Trump, in that Perot was pretty well versed in politics. He pretty, he, you know, policy wise, he was pretty he was pretty depth. He was pretty much at depth. But, um, but Ramaswamy, I talk I talk with him a, a couple of times did on you? the phone. Yeah, on the phone fascinating character and yeah. he told he told me stories since he's dead now i can share them sometime if you want to talk about it but things that he did behind the scenes um politically and humanitarian wise um uh were just uh, i mean and, and he talked about it you know in that quick crisp way uh and he I doesn't he, he doesn't have it i had a friend who worked in the connecticut who worked for him and was called away uh, one weekend um, to work and to meet for a meeting in Texas. And on that weekend, all the wives, including my friend's wife, got phone calls and bouquets from Ross Perot. They got a phone call from Ross Perot apologizing, but their husband was so important. They really needed him in this uh, crucial meeting. Uh, but they realized that they were taking him away from family time, but they appreciated the spouse's sacrifice as well. Uh, so, you know, that guy was that guy was really smart. I haven't picked up on anything like that with uh, the Swami. 
No, no. And I don't think you'd pick up anything like, I mean, not that they're not smart. They're both smart, but I don't think you pick up anything like, you know, Perot's sense of grace, right. From either one of those two guys in terms right. of, in terms of irrigating themselves, the resources that they need to do whatever it is that they're doing. And I think, you know, that was sort of the, the thing with Trump um, and the, you know, I, I mean, last week he put out a, a video saying everybody else needs to drop out of the race and support yeah. me. At the same time, in the same breath, mind you, called DeSantis the sanctimonious while telling them that they needed to be loyal to him. It's not not your friendly neighbor. No, um, no. Uh, and, and look, I mean, he still might win the nomination, but uh, I mean, uh, yeah. I, I would be surprised if he's if he's going to make it to the end in that sense. I'm not going to, you know, health wise, I'm sure he's fine, but. I'd be surprised if he makes it to the end just because of all the legal issues that are going on here. But, and I, and I think too, again, the one other thing I want to say about the Iowa caucus before we wrap things up, because we're already at the end of this is that you're right. Iowa is not at all representative of anything um, other than, you know, corn subsidies. <laughs> it doesn't really represent much, but there is one value of Iowa that I think is the reason why it's going to be important this year is that Iowa is a caucus state and caucus states reward organization. Mm -hmm. And DeSantis is pouring a lot of money into a field organization in the early states, very much including Iowa, also New Hampshire, South Carolina, a couple of the others. I think there was 13 states that they, that they stated, but he and, his, and the super PAC that he's allied with are pumping a bunch of money into that and hiring tons of people, hundreds of people to go out and identify potential voters so that they can bring them to the caucuses. And that is, you know, the caucus takes place in Iowa in it's either late January, early February, depending on when they right. out the schedule, right? Ever been in Iowa in late January? <laughs> I know. I see. That's what it takes. Do you imagine getting out of your house on a bitter cold night when it got dark at 430 uh, to go to a caucus? And those caucuses, if you've been to a PTA meeting, and it went on a long time. This is a PTA meeting to the nth degree. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, someone from each candidate gets to speak. Then they have a vote. And then someone has to drop out. And then they do it again and yeah. again and again. Now, here, I looked this up and I may be a little fuzzy on the numbers, but for the Democrat caucus, um, well, yeah, for the Democrat caucus in, 2000, in 2020, Joe Biden, I think he finished third, okay? 3%, 3% of Iowa's more than 2 million people participated, and yet this was touted as a big deal, okay? Well, maybe you remember President Huckabee, who, who won the Republican caucus uh, some, years, some years back, and I think there was a President Santorum in there somewhere. I think and you're right. Pre pre president Gephardt. Uh, you know, these things are important at the moment. And 48 hours later, they're gone. This debate is important for the moment. And when that second debate happens, no one will remember anything about this debate. Nothing. Yeah, you know, I don't think so either, unless there's a unless there's a huge gaffe in the middle of it, right? You know, yeah, yeah. You know, like, a, unfortunately, I'll just use Rick Perry, who I 
really personally like a lot. Oh, yeah. He was, he was, that was a shame. And that's why, well, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. But oh, just, said, just, just to complete the thought when he got up there and said, I'm going to eliminate three departments. Uh, and, and then he, you couldn't remember the third one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, now, see, but, but does that mean he wouldn't be a good president? No, man. it's got nothing to do with it. And yet that torpedoed him. Uh, and um, so in that sense, it's not fair. But you know, who said politics are fair? Right, right, exactly. Well, on that note, we probably should uh, once again encourage people to go over to redstate.com uh, because Andrew has a great um, VIP post. Crucial GOP debate sets a 2024 scene without Trump. So that's a good curtain raiser for this week's events. Um, and uh, you got Malcolm on the right, too, from uh, last week. Uh, what's the deal with Joe Biden's dangerous new Iran deal? uh that's a yeah uh, you know i mean we historically thomas jefferson sent the marines you know the marine hymn from the shores of montezuma uh no from the halls of montezuma to the shores of tripoli tripoli that was when he refused to pay ransom to the barbary pirates uh who were hijacking ships and whatever even but in 1801 so we haven't paid for ransoms. They have some cute words for it, uh, Barack Obama especially. Uh, but now, in effect, we're going to give Iran billions of dollars in freed up money so that they can play around some more in international terrorism and free five Americans. And that's a very dangerous precedent. Yep. Yep, indeed. But now it's time to go away from dangerous precedents to the jokes of the week. <laughs> uh, I, I know you've got one or two. I've got one or two to give right back to you. <laughs> okay. Well, I got one here, Jimmy. These are old now. It's Jimmy Fallon. He said, uh, Trump, Donald Trump just stumbled in new polls. In fact, he just dropped nine points in some of them. When he heard that, Trump said, oh, no. Was it everything I said? <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Um, uh, Conan O'Brien, he said, a new report says that due to the weak economy, more Americans are canceling their cable television packages. All I can say is good luck trying to live without eight shows about making cakes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, I got a couple for you. These are from jokesoftheday.net. I always like to give credit where I find these. Yeah. Um, so man's coming out of a bar, realizes he's in no shape to drive, right? So he decides he's going to walk home. And he's walking along unsteadily down the sidewalk. And police officer sees him, pulls over, stops, gets out of the car, and says to the man, what are you doing out here at 2 a.m.? The man says, I'm going to a lecture. And the police says, who's going to give you a lecture at this hour? And man says, my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. One more. One more. An eight-year-old girl comes up to her father. She's working in the yard. She says, daddy, what is sex? And he goes, oh, man. You know, it's a little surprised that this topic came up at that point in time. So, he, But, you know, he's kind of been preparing himself for this. So he decides that, you know, if she's asked about it, She's old enough to get a straight answer. So he starts talking to her about the birds and the bees and, and what it means and all that. And when she's when he's done, the little girl's looking at him with this horrified look on her face. And he says, well, why did you ask the question? She says, 
Well, mom told me to tell you that dinner would be ready in a couple of secs. <laughs> All right. Well, All right, then. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Next week, we'll be talking about the debate and uh and what it means and and whether or not there was anything that was going to be memorable but uh we'll we'll have a lot more next week including uh some jokes of the week next week as well andrew malcolm the prince of twitter the the regent of redstate.com at ah malcolm on x.com twitter.com well thank you edward uh we're going for year 16 now and thank you everybody we'll see you later we'll see you then folks this is Ed Morrissey of HotAir.com for Town Hall. The depth of corruption in the investigation of Hunter Biden got exposed this week by an unlikely media source, the New York Times. A damning report corroborated by Politico confirms Republican suspicions that David Weiss attempted to run out the clock on tax evasion charges and let Hunter Biden off scot-free. In fact, the plea deal announced in June fell apart because IRS whistleblowers forced Weiss to change position and require Hunter to plead guilty to two misdemeanor charges. Until the IRS agents went public with Weiss's obstruction, the U.S. attorney had already arranged to cover all the issues in a diversion agreement, not just the firearms charge, and to give Hunter immunity for all other charges as well. That makes clear that Attorney General Merrick Garland presides over a corrupt and politicized Department of Justice. It's so obvious now that even the New York Times has to cover it. I'm Ed Morrissey. <laughs>